Our scripture text this morning continues to follow the set of readings being used throughout much of the church this day called the Common Lectionary, which is a shared set of readings. We've been following through them the last several weeks. Today's reading comes from the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. May God bless to us the reading of God's word. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As Jesus entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. A little context. In the New Testament, the word leprosy speaks about all kinds of skin diseases, not just what we know today as Hansen's disease. Rules in Hebrew law about leprosy were a kind of public health policy with the priests as the chief public health officers. Now, after what we went through during the first year or so of the pandemic, I'll tell you that I sometimes felt like I was myself a public health officer. So I can imagine this story today in a way that I couldn't just two and a half years ago. But back to the story. In the first century, if you had a lesion on your skin that broke your skin, you were to go to the priest. The priest then decided whether or not you were unclean. And if he decided you were unclean, you had to quarantine yourself until the priest declared you well. Or if the priest decided that you were incurable, you'd have to separate yourself from others for the rest of your life. Only the priest could say when you could return to normal life, if ever, and touch people again. So, with that in mind, let's think about what happened in this story. Ten lepers were labeled unclean and so were ostracized. 
Those ten lepers came to Jesus, thinking that maybe he could help them. They knew that they were labeled, and so they followed the rules, and they kept their distance, even from Jesus. They called to him over the heads of the crowds. Imagine waiting to listen to Jesus, thinking that you have a right to get close to him, finding your pew a few minutes before the service, and then hearing that there are some lepers shouting from somewhere behind you, making it hard for you to hear and making you a little bit nervous. Quiet them down, please. Protect the kids. Hold on to your wallets and purses. Imagine any labeled person calling from the sidewalk or from the hood or from the clinics or from the shelters or from anywhere we keep them so they won't get too close. And what did Jesus do? He did not make a spectacle of them or score points for his ministry at their expense. He heard them, he gave them attention, and oddly enough, even while they were still diseased, he told them to go back to the priests. Strange. I am guessing that he sent them back so the priests could see them healed and declare them clean. But they didn't know this when they left. They were still sick. Did it feel like Jesus was just sending them away? Did it feel like yet another disappointment or another rejection or another fruitless effort? Or was there enough trust in this Jesus? Enough trust in his reputation and his word that they did what he told them to do just because he told them to do it. What was it about Jesus that cut through their despair and their cynicism and got them moving? That's worth wondering about. But here's what we do know. They turned and they went. And as you heard, as they went, they were healed. It was in the turning. It was in their openness. It was in their stepping out on Jesus' word and nothing more than that, that a miracle occurred. And what did we who were doing everything right, what did we think when the news started to spread that they were healed? Were we amazed and and did we begin to think about our lives in new ways? Or were we resentful, thinking that this is not terribly fair after all the work that we have done to follow Jesus? Or did we turn and look and see what might happen next? I don't know. 
But here's one thing we can get from this story. Healing begins in trusting and turning. Healing begins in trusting and turning. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever seen it in your own healing that healing begins when you begin to trust and begin to ask the right questions and hear a word and turn and go even before you are well? Healing in yourself, healing in your family, healing in other parts of your life, I do leave that to you to ponder. Because you see, there's a second thing in this story that I also want you to get. And that is this, that even as healing begins with hearing and turning, healing deepens as you accept your worth and give yourself to God. I see this in the way that Luke wants us to know that the one leper, one out of ten, who turned back to Jesus was a Samaritan. He was the one among the ten that had a double label. Now why is it important for us to know that? Because as a Samaritan, the leper who came back to thank Jesus was a foreigner, and so he was already considered unclean, no matter what his disease status was. A trip back to the temple for him would not have lifted that label even if his skin was clear. So the fact that he did not keep his distance when he went back to Jesus is dramatic in this story. He fell at Jesus' feet. He knew that he was clean before Jesus said it, or he would never have gotten that close to Jesus. He was clean from his disease and he was clean from being an undeserving and unclean stranger. He didn't need to be told he was clean by anyone but Jesus. He didn't need to earn his dignity except by hearing and turning. We know this because he came so close to Jesus. And we know this because Jesus accepted his thanks in front of all of us. The foreigner had a wider vision than the other nine. He knew the truth of what was happening from the start. He thanked the one who gave him courage to live as one healed and acceptable. He didn't wait for permission. He cooperated with Jesus, he paid attention to Jesus, he accepted what Jesus had for him, and he was made well. What kind of gauntlet did he walk through to approach Jesus? What kind of stares and criticism and rejection from the folks who were huddling around Jesus because they had a right to? As spontaneous as his turning back to Jesus was, it also took a lot of courage. And the other nine? Jesus doesn't really condemn the other nine. He just asks where they are. 
they weren't wrong to go back to the temple to follow the rules and get the priests to declare them clean. Their healing was fine. It just hadn't gone deep yet. At least not as deep as the Samaritans. Maybe later it will. Maybe later they'll get to it too and come back to the one who declared them clean even before they were healed in a way that anyone else could see. This truth that the Samaritan shows us is shown over and over again in the Gospel of Luke. It's shown in all of Luke's parables. It's shown when the waiting father accepts his wayward prodigal son before any word of repentance comes from his son's mouth. It's shown when Jesus blesses Mary for sitting at his feet, when Martha is busy in the kitchen doing what she's supposed to do. And it's shown right here. Our healing begins not in doing everything right or in fulfilling our religious duties or in earning God's favor. Our healing begins in God's mercy and in finding ourselves to be people who have been given God's mercy despite the hard shakes of life. In Christ, we are more whole than what any human system or authority or circumstance or status can make us. And we have place before anyone gives it. This is God's realm. Over the years, I've told you a story or two. From a few weeks I spent as a student pastor in the street ministries of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Center City, Atlanta. 400 people experiencing homelessness were served soup and sandwiches every day in the basement of that church, and that soup kitchen was the center of our work. Not long into my time there, we started getting complaints about the quality of the soup that we were serving. Have you tasted it? It was bland, we were told or it had too much rice, or not enough salt, or too much pepper. We were told it tasted like carrots boiled in water. The servers who first heard the complaints dismissed them. Let it go, they said to us. They complain about everything. Now, I had actually not heard them complain about much of anything, except maybe being kicked out of the ER room by the police when it was cold outside. Other than that, I think the food was the only thing that I ever heard them complain about. Still, the number of complaints grew. So volunteers and staff began to grumble, too. We, you know, we can only work with what's donated, and lots of days we don't get a lot of chicken stock. We don't use a recipe, so... If they tell us that the soup was awful last Friday but good last Monday, we'll have no idea what the difference was. You try feeding 400 people a day. But the complaints even continued more. And it wasn't long before some deeper feelings came out in us. The soup is free, for God's sake. 
and we're not exactly paid cooks, these people should be thankful. The issue came up when the five student pastors met with our supervisor outside the kitchen. How can we help our guests get with the program and show more gratitude, we asked. And how can we help our volunteers feel more appreciated so they won't quit? Our supervisor looked at us with a serene kind of wisdom. Um, have you tasted the soup yourselves? Uh, once or twice. Hmm. How was it? Not so great. Hmm. Would you serve it to guests in your own home? No, but that's not the point. It's not? Then what is? I think that by opening our doors, we have promised to do more than just feed people. We've promised to serve them. Don't we owe them what we've promised them? I mean, could it be that because they are our guests and not our customers, we might actually owe them more, not less. Isn't it Jesus and not us who gives them a place at the table? What do you think? And we thought. And new conversations began. And walls between guests and volunteers and staff began to break down. And the atmosphere in the kitchen began to change. It became more personal, even more caring. More people were willing to listen to each other. Staff began to tell stories about why they started volunteering in the kitchen in the first place and what they dreamed for the homeless of Atlanta. Healing began and the soup got better. So why do I tell you the soup kitchen story this morning? Because if our praise for this leper who came back to thank Jesus is about the leper and not about Jesus, or if it tempts us to somehow think he was singing for his supper, I think we've missed the point. You can be living on the street eating soup that someone else makes in a vat, or you can own your own restaurant and charge $40 a bowl for bouillabaisse. It doesn't matter. Your healing begins in the same way in either place. It begins in realizing that you need God's mercy, in accepting that mercy, and in letting the power of that mercy change the way you see things, even yourself. Please don't wait for someone to thank you or please you or conform to your sense of what is acceptable or unacceptable before you love them or before you show them mercy or before you respect their dignity. They don't need to earn your love. And please don't wait for someone else to tell you that you're okay before you hear God's word of mercy and turn and receive and turn back again to thank God. 
deal with the world later, deal first with God. So to sum it all up, let's just say the story went like this. Ten lepers were healed. Nine of them needed some time. They needed affirmation. They worked within the rules. Okay. But one of them, and an odd and strange one at that, the least likely one of the ten knew how deep his healing went and where it came from and how to live it, and he knew it well before anyone told him it was so. He got it, and that made him well. And so he took his place as a loved child of God right there in the presence of Jesus. And he did that, and as he did that, he helped create a new reality around Jesus right there in public for anyone to see who had eyes to see. And I like to think that he helped the clean folks around Jesus claim their healing too, right there in the presence of Jesus. You are whole by God's good grace. And you can face what is ahead of you by God's good grace. And you can leave what ails you behind by God's good grace. And you can be thankful by God's good grace grace. And you can tell someone who you've never touched before the same words that they are whole by God's good grace. And they can face what is ahead of them by God's good grace. And they can leave what hurts them behind by God's good grace. And they can be thankful by God's good grace. Thanks be to God. Amen.